now. Anthony, whenever you're ready. Welcome to another edition of the Marvel Cinematic University podcast, where we review all of the movies in the MCU leading up to Avengers Infinity War. We reviewed Iron Man in the first episode. Today, we'll, we, will, we will go through The Incredible Hulk, the second movie in the MCU. As always, I'm joined by my partners, Jake Christie. What's up, Jake? I'm doing well. How you doing, Anthony? You didn't introduce yourself, but, you know. No. <laughs> See, I, I got to get you to the fact that I'm hosting this. By the way, my name is Anthony Canton the third. Uh, another member of this podcast. And then, of course, the third member of this podcast, Jerome Chang. What's, what's up, up Jerome? everyone? What's up? What's up? Um, wait, wait, we're covering Incredible Hulk today? Yes, we are covering the Incredible Hulk. As in the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk? Yes, uh, that one. <laughs> you know what, guys? I'm good. Uh, why don't you hit me back when we get to Mark Ruffalo? <laughs> uh, okay, um... So I guess Sounds. I guess we're doing this one without Jerome. Uh, oh damn, that's fine. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the Incredible Hulk. Um, yeah, let's get it. Yeah, let's get into it, man. This movie was released June thirteenth, two thousand eight. Directed by Louis Leterrier. The screenplay by Zach Penn. The screenplay being notable, as I'll get to a little bit later. But I guess the first question I should ask is, what were your impressions on rewatching this movie? Um. Because I, I, I didn't see it when it first came out. I watched it when I was catching up on all the MCU movies like two years ago. And my first thought was like... Because I had heard so many bad things about it. Um, and when I first watched it, I'm like, this isn't actually that bad. Uh, and then watching it now, it was just like... It was... For a movie about a guy who becomes a big green thing, I was just <laughs> disinterested for so much of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the main thing and we'll probably talk a lot about this aspect of the movie, but for a movie that's about a lot that seems to be a lot about emotion, uh, about a fugitive, about anger and all this other stuff, it just a lot of the performances were very flat to me. Okay. So, yeah, I think what we should just uh start off with to be honest with you just cuz it's the uh it's the number one topic in my mind is yeah. uh, what went wrong with Edward Norton's performance that obviously Edward Norton didn't want to do the MCU, but beyond that, yeah. like what, what, what uh, did he do wrong to get replaced by Mark Ruffalo? Because well, I don't have that many notes. I don't take that many notes when I do these, but I do have the note on my notes app, Norton is sleepwalking through half of this movie. I think that that was the biggest <laughs> problem. Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, for a movie about a tortured soul, I just didn't really feel the emotion from any of the characters besides General Ross. General yeah. Ross was the only dude who I felt was, like, legit in terms of his emotion and in terms of his motivations throughout the film. And everything else, as far as Edward Norton playing Bruce Banner, um, I didn't get that. And, of yeah. course, Liv Tyler, same thing. We'll get into her as well. Same thing. Man, it just felt cold. Just really cold. Yeah. Um, the thing with... Because I was thinking about what... Why do I like the Mark Ruffalo one so much more than Ed Norton? Because one thing that they both play... The thing that I get why they cast Edward Norton is because Edward Norton does play the I'm putting glasses on and running numbers 
bits very well. But you know what the thing about the whole, which is so important with Mark Ruffalo, is one, he does play the torture thing incredibly well. But also, yeah. like, part of the Hulk is that Bruce Banner, when he's in the Bruce Banner state, needs to look like he would never hurt a fly. And Edward Norton has such an intensity to him. Like, a, like <laughs> I don't believe that he needs to become the Hulk in order to kill someone. You know what I mean? Like, right. maybe that's just other roles he's done, but, like, Edward Norton just doesn't have... He has, there's no, he has no warmth to him that I think is essential to Bruce Banner because you don't get the impression that it really kills him that he has this problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you on that one. And, and it's just the heart that we see later from Mark Ruffalo in uh, the future movies is just such a, a contrast from what Edward Norton portrayed in this one. And I just felt like overall, if you just go through the the entire film, it kind of leads you to look away and keeping that same interest probably wasn't the same for me as it was when I originally saw this movie. And you're just, you're just excited to see the Hulk and just like, yeah, Hulk smash. And you're looking for the fight scenes and whatever. But otherwise... Uh, it it ju- like now you know mature watching this with a kind of a different perspective on performances and things of that nature you kind of get the feeling that oh yeah he really half-assed this one yeah um yeah, let's uh, now let's just go on to Liv Tyler just because we can circle back at any time we want uh to yeah. I don't know what her problem was I get maybe honestly <laughs> this is this is pure speculation but. Yeah. If you told me that she had, like, an onset feud with Ed Norton, I'd believe you. Because there is nothing between them at all. Oh, my God. Cool as a cucumber, to say the least. Um, and it's funny because I, I was reading some of her quotes saying, you know, in a way that she was excited to play this part, which is really weird for her to say that she was excited considering her performance in the movie, but she was excited to play this part because it was a more physical role with a lot of the the running scenes and obviously dealing with explosions and other things like that. But I just never got this. I just never got the sense um, in terms of a chemistry between those two. To your point, and it's like you look at it from you look at it from the perspective of the same thing. It's not. It was definitely not. And in contrast to Iron Man, where you see this chemistry between Tony and Pepper, it's just the complete opposite. Yeah, and so. I think and I think actually that the chemistry between them needs to be I feel like it's more essential to the plot than even in Iron Man because the like at the end of the movie we're supposed to believe that Bruce loves Betty once well, let's just let, let me just side the point her name's Betty Ross get the fuck out of here um <laughs> Uh, that Tony love I mean, t- no, Bruce loves Betty so much that he's willing to overpower, uh, the Abomination while the Hulk. That, like, I, we're, 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 the scenes where they're both, where he's a human and is with her are supposed to convince us of that love, and it's just, it's just not there at all. And it's, it's really, it also just makes the scenes where he's not the Hulk and they're together, which is a decent chunk of the movie just boring and awkward yeah (laughs) very awkward very awkward throughout and it 
and it's because a lot of these a lot of these movies you can base them off of action, but you do want to see some type of chemistry that would lead because part of the reason why we're so invested in the MCU is the emotional investment in these characters. And this was an example of where you didn't see that. So therefore it definitely takes the movie down a couple of notches. And in contrast with almost every other movie, there are characters that you root for and there are characters that you root against. And this one, besides General Ross, I just didn't get that feeling from anybody. So, I, I mean, I guess I guess simply put, the, the, for, for a movie based on emotion and anger, it just fell flat. So we'll move on and we'll go to a favorite non-superhero character in this film. Uh, what would you say, or who would you say was your favorite not superhero character in this film? Um, I mean, I like General Ross, but honestly, the character I was getting the most from was, like, I, the character I, like, when they came on the screen, I'm like, oh, shit, I actually enjoy this character, is uh, Dr. Stearns, Mr. Blue. Um, yeah. Just because Tim Blake Nelson, the actor who plays him, feels like the only guy who's having fun in this movie. Like, he just yeah. is, like, everyone else is taking, the, they're not just taking this movie seriously, it's just, like, I don't even know what the problem is, but he comes on screen, and he's just, like, no, this is a fun superhero movie, and I'm gonna be, like, I'm, it, he comes in, like, two, like, three-fourths of the movie, almost, and his scenes are just brighter than every, every other scene, in my opinion, um, yes, yeah, so that would be my answer, I think he's, he's on the screen for a very short amount of time, but. He definitely left an impact. We'll get back to him in goofs because, just in general, with everything that went on with the Hulk, it's kind of funny to think of the fact that he should have been intended to be a major character, but then, of course, a lot of stuff happened. But we'll get to that later. But as far as my favorite non superhero character, and I think I've alluded to this already, mm -hmm. General Thaddeus Ross. William Hurt did a great job of portraying somebody who wanted to cover his own ass. And also somebody who was desperate to get rid of the Hulk. And there was a legit hatred for Bruce Banner and the Hulk at the same time. Yeah. And his motive, his motivations were clear. And, and of course, when you get that, when you get that type of uh, performance and portrayal of a character, then you feel at least with him, I understand what I'm getting and I appreciate what I'm getting because you know for a fact that he has his objectives and they're clear. Some of them devious, but mm -hmm. still, yet they're clear. So for for me, uh, General Ross clearly to me was my favorite non superhero character, and um, yeah, it was just great. And I think that um, it's a really common um, plot for action movies, particularly. Um, but I did like that the central conflict of it wasn't. I feel like it would be worse if the conflict was just oh general ross hates bruce banner or is like afraid of the hulk so he's trying to kill him but there the added like i don't want to say like social commentary but that's what it is of like he wants to weaponize the hulk right. does make the plot more interesting and does um i don't know it just is excuse me it just was like an added layer that I enjoyed, right. and I'm glad that they put in, um, because it, it, it if it, I don't think that the movie could have survived on just we need to kill this guy. I think there there does need to be the we need to kill this guy and or trap him to like 
create a super soldier. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it, it was pretty clear. And when you're that clear and concise, it just makes it easier to follow along with the character and not feel like I'm not getting anything from this. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, I, I definitely enjoyed uh, Ross's performance. Uh, what did you think of, of, as a side note, Tim Roth as the main uh, villain, Mel Blonsky slash The Abomination? I think he was, uh, honestly, I think he was miscast for a couple reasons. One, I think that the fact that they cast a British actor just made them go through, like, too many weird loops where there's, like, like half of the IMDb goof section is just talking about how impossible it would be for, like, why is he with the U.S. Army? And even if he is on loan to the U.S. Army, why is he wearing U.S. Army, uh, like, uh, uniform? And then I... Both times I watched this movie because I forgot about it, I almost spit out my water when he says that he's 39 years old. It's like, get the f- – come on. Really? Like, I, it's okay. Like, if you're going to cast Tim Roth, like, you can't say he's 39 years old because, like, that just takes you so far in the movie because you're like, one, you know that Tim Roth is, like I – think, I think he was, like, a full, like, 12 years older than that at the time. Right. And two, right. he just doesn't look like that. And, I don't know, I I feel like Tim Roth could, it has, like, I was surprised by how much it wasn't working for me, because he has an intensity to him that yeah. is good for a super villain, but you know what I feel like it was? He just doesn't feel like a soldier, you know what I mean? Like, I think you need someone right. who's like, I want, I want, I am a, like, uh, clean cut, I've been in the U.S. Army for like 20 years i am the best soldier and like i do everything for my country and that is not what he was bringing he was bringing sort of like a like a a a minor antagonist in a james bond movie like the uncooperative general like that and that's not what i think we needed what do you think I mean, you could make a case that he was nearly as slender as uh, Steve Rogers in his mm-hmm. his, uh, his his initial his initial look. So I think from that standpoint, you really are making some good points here. Because I mean, when you think of the uh, when you think of somebody, you know, villainous, um, you could talk about in the future Frank Grillo, uh, who played Crossbones in uh, Winter Winter Soldier in Civil War. That looked like a villain. He looks a little buffed up. He looks like a soldier, to your point. Mm -hmm. So I think from that contrast, you can kind of see why he's not the guy. And and if they're going to go with um, the the bit where like he wants to be stronger than he used to be one i think he should be older than 39 that's just in my opinion obvious but then i also think that they should lean into that and like make it because like even before he like makes that admission that if he had the knowledge he had now in his body when he was 29 years old i don't remember the exact quote i'll probably just implement it if i can find it on youtube uh that um you don't ever get the impression that he's not, like, uh, they treat him like he's, like, the best soldier in the world. So, like, I don't know. Like, if there was, like, a, if they, if instead was, like, a 55-year-old, like, general who, like, wishes yeah. that he could be back out there, that also would be compelling. It, I'm just not compelled by his need to be super. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he looks like just another guy. Yeah. Yeah, for like yeah, for lack of a better term. All right, so we'll so we'll move on from there, and we'll go to favorite scene. And there are a lot of scenes where you can look at and be like, eh, it's not 
you know, not the greatest. Mm-hmm. And then especially in retrospect after watching all of these films and how how far that they've come. And then in terms of the character development of certain of uh, certain guys, especially from this film to to later uh, with Mark Ruffalo, um, it's just it's just different. It's just better mm-hmm. than what it was here. But what was your favorite scene? Um, I mean, I think that uh, I don't know. Like, I, there's hard. It's hard to think of like a full on sequence that I liked mm-hmm. every bit of. But um, I would probably go with the I not the whole full sequence. But the bit where his, like, the guys he works with, like, the bullies at work, have him pinned down, and he turns into the Hulk for the first time. Yeah. As he's, like, pleading with them. Just because it's, like, that is, like, a tense scene. Um, And I do think that it it was, I mean, I think it was probably an obvious choice, but I do think it was a smart choice to not show the full Hulk until the end of that sequence. Um, Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, me, I, it's pretty simple for me. I look for big fights. I I like the, the Hulk and the Abomination going at it. At least they didn't make uh, the Abomination, in a sense, come off like a complete weakling. Yeah. Uh, as, far as, as far as that was concerned, he did give the Hulk a, a real fight. Um, mm-hmm. He had the Hulk down a couple of times, so that's nice because this is a this is an issue that comes up in later Marvel films mm-hmm. in terms of the uh, validity of the villain. But I I enjoyed that scene, um, that entire sequence and that entire fight. And simply put, it it's just better than anything else because for a lot of instances, this movie was not that great. Yeah, I actually did like the way the Abomination looked. Um, I thought that they did a yeah. very good job. On, I, I think that, that, like, how they leaned in to him being an abomination, that, like, the Hulk, like, at least just looks like a big green person, whereas, like, um, he just looks disgusting, uh, in a, in a way that is really interesting. I, I, I was kind of confused about, like, I, there probably is an explanation for it, but, like, I was kind of yeah. out of why he could talk in complete sentences, and the Hulk couldn't. Like, I know why the Hulk can't, but I'm really confused as to why uh, he can't. But, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> that is kind of weird. That That's a... that's a Oh, that's a good goof. Like, if you really think about it. Like, I think that they made... A, I think that... You know, I wouldn't consider it a goof, because I think they made the decision of saying, like, he's different, he can talk in sentences. But, like, why? Like, I... Tell us why. Like I'm, I'm down to believe that there is something different in the process of him becoming like hulked out that he can talk in complete sentences. But like, take me there. Like, I want to know why. Yeah, and well, it it goes to show you that in a lot of uh, instances in this movie, that a lot of stuff with was a uh, hot shotted. And I know because of Ang Lee's Hulk back in 2003. Originally, when they penned this. They wanted to make it kind of like a loose sequel to that, mm-hmm. but at the but at the but at the same time, like now you're introducing uh, the entire MCU, so it was kind of kind of difficult to do all of that. Yeah. So, like for instance, to go back to the opening sequence where they kind of hot shotted the backstory mm-hmm. of Bruce Banner in the opening credits, um, I was not a big fan of that. So yeah, that's a, that's I, I honestly, us. yeah, I agree that I think that. Um, I understand what they were going for, and I think at the time it might have been the right decision commercially just because we had seen the origin story of the Hulk so recently, but 
I like the... I mean, I think that there is something so special about a superhero origin story. Like, people love them for a reason. And I think that yeah. that honestly is a... I think that you could... You don't have to take that long to do it. And I think that that is a more interesting place to start than him in Brazil uh, trying to get a cure. Like, because it is just... It becomes... It becomes just a... You know what it is? It becomes a chase movie instantly... And, like, yeah. the, the Hulk has a lot more to do than that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, right. like, let's chase the Hulk as he tries to do this. Whereas, like, I want to see... I love I love a good experiment gone wrong sequence. And the fact we didn't get to see that is kind of disappointing. Um, especially yeah, now that... Yeah. Especially now that it's in this MCU canon. Where, like, we're not even thinking about Ang Lee's Hulk anymore. It's like, oh, the MCU doesn't have that scene. Because it's not, you know, canon. Uh, right, yeah. I was yeah, just curious if you say... wanted to talk about, because uh, I know you did some stuff in this, like, how does this, re- like, how did the rights with this work? Because I know that it was a complicated rights issue to make this movie. So, it's interesting because Universal actually holds the the first rights in terms of distribution of any Hulk film, and this has been an ongoing issue since since um, 2008, when they were thinking about doing a sequel originally with Edward Norton, but then, of course, they, uh, they, they moved on from that. And then Mark Ruffalo obviously got the role in 2012 for The Avengers. And even then, every, between every movie, uh, between every Avengers movie and even after the original Hulk, there was always a discussion of, oh, yeah, we'd love to do another solo Hulk movie. We'd love to do a sequel. But they wouldn't necessarily say why, but they always had these, they always tried to leave like some breadcrumbs like, oh, we're going to do a movie. But as time went on and we got to like 2014, um, uh, what you call it, Mark Ruffalo said that Universal holding the distribution rights to Hulk films may be an obstacle to releasing a future Hulk standalone film and reiterated this in October 2015 and July 2017. Marvel reacquired the film rights for the character, but Universal retained the distribution rights for The Incredible Hulk. So, according to The Hollywood Reporter, a potential reason why Marvel has not reacquired the film distribution rights to the Hulk as they did with Paramount Pictures for Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America is because Universal holds the theme park rights to several Marvel characters that Marvel's parent company, Disney, wants for its own theme parks. So in, de- in December 2015, Mark Ruffalo stated that the strained relationship between Marvel and Universal may be another obstacle to releasing a future standalone Hulk film. Now, things have worked out in, in, in as far as the character and, and the yeah. way that they've been able to progress it, but I would have liked to see a continuation to uh, one of the characters that you mentioned, uh, uh, Mr. Blue, uh, the, to, what you call it, with the situation that happens to him in the movie, where he's exposed to the gamma radiation, and obviously you see his his uh, cranium become very huge, which leads you to believe that he would become the leader, a huge Hulk villain, and because of this issue, all of that stuff is just gone, and you have no idea like whether any of these other characters uh, will ever come now, back. Can I or ask you a question like as someone who yeah, doesn't who doesn't read the comics? What is what is the leader's deal? Tell me, uh, is he a good villain? Um, the leader's a good villain because he challenges the Hulk in a different type of way because he's just incredibly 
intelligent. Oh, okay. And obviously, with that, with being that intelligent and having some of the super strength um, ability from the gamma radiation, he's part of the reason why there is an abomination, and he's part of the reason why there's an absorbing man, and he kind of gets groups of villains together to go after the Hulk. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like his. That's kind of like his main thing against the Hulk's um, immense brawn. You have the leader's brains. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, the thing is, I think that we'll get to the get to this um, as we go on. But I think that uh, I think that they have been pretty good about getting the Hulk into other people's movies. Because like, I feel like I do know the Hulk pretty well. Like how they put him in the Captain America yeah. movies, how they put him in the in Thor Ragnarok. Like I think that they they've done well in like getting around that also i don't know if i do want this to be resolved because the hulk is my favorite ride at universal studios so um, <laughs> i mean I, have you been on it it's great um no i haven't and i haven't been to universal studios in a while i need to go back um, yeah and get, uh, get the spider-man rides ride. like okay um are there any other marvel rides i think it's just spider-man at this point and the whole other's oh, doctor doom which i haven't been on because it's just one of those where they bring you up and drop you over and over again and uh, I'm not a fan right. of those, but uh, yeah, the Hulk <laughs> is great. Also, what I need, I what I need to try because I was, I uh, read about this and um, I just, I, I mean the the cost of it to make it myself is going to be very steep. But uh, are you familiar with the mixed drink, the Incredible Hulk? Yes, I am actually. Um, yes, I, I've only had it um, one time when I was in New Orleans um, <laughs> um, a couple of years well, now, back. What, now, what is it? E- what is it equal parts of? Do you remember? No, I actually don't. It's equal I, parts because it was a very of, drunken night. <laughs> um, like I'm just gonna say it, and if if I listen back to this and it doesn't sound good, I'll cut this out. But probably like it's the two blackest liquors in existence: uh, Hennessy and Hypnotic. Uh, equal oh, parts. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> and it becomes green. And as anyone who's seen my uh, ALS Pepper Challenge video knows, that I I do enjoy Hennessy from time to time. I've never had Hypnotic because I'm not a rapper in 2006. But um, I would love to try. I would love to try some incredible. If I ever get Hennessy and Hypnotic, and that you're invited over to try some incredible Hulks. Um, and oh. maybe, maybe that will make this movie better because I mean, if I was, a, if I was a few incredible Hulks in, I probably would have enjoyed this movie a lot more. I mean, shit. I, when you think about it, that's not a, that's not a bad idea uh, no. in terms of just, the, just the overall action from uh, beginning to end and, and all the parts of it that were just like, yeah, very blah. But, mm-hmm. um, Let's get let's get to uh, Stan Lee's cameo, which is uh, a, this is, one of our. I'm just gonna say, yeah, this podcast. is this is yeah. the category I insist on in having every episode. Uh, the way I word it is, how intrusive is Stan Lee's cameo? And this one's for me, it's a it's an eight. Like this is pretty intrusive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm fully yeah. take because he like has a decently important like he his role is a plot point where basically he's the guy who drinks the Brazilian soda that uh, right. has uh, the gamma-infected blood in it. And it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> Was it necessary? <laughs> Whenever they ask him to act, it's like, ugh, like, we get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't mind his cameos, but it's like, you know, 
ha- have him do a cameo. I don't want like to rem this thing. I don't want to remember what he did. Like, m- like I- before I watched this movie, I remembered what Stanley's cameo was, and that's a problem because that means he's in it too much. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I kind of agree with you there because if you think of something that's actually central to the plot, I just don't need Stanley anywhere near it. You usually like you like the good the you like the good solid uh, pun or the good solid joke that's here yeah. and there, but man, they made that shit so serious. Yeah, and like also it kind of took away from like we're supposed to we're led to believe that in consuming gamma infected blood is super serious. And honestly, I don't know if it is because how because Stanley can't like act that he kind of just goes Ugh, and it's like is. <laughs> Is, I'm serious, like, is that, is he dead? Is he, like, it's not clear. It just, I feel like, was a really bad decision. Now, the cameo in this movie that did work was Lou Ferrigno was great yeah. in his cameo. Yes. Um, uh, yes, if I, anyone, I enjoyed that. Anyone who likes uh, really bad movies, I'd recommend the Lou Ferrigno film Cage, uh, in which he plays a buff Vietnam veteran who was shot in the head in Vietnam, so has severe mental disabilities, but is still Lou Ferrigno buff, and he gets kidnapped and forced to do cage fighting. Anyway, that's a tangent. But, uh... Wow. It's a terrible <laughs> <That's> movie. A <laughs> uh, anyway. But yeah, that cameo's great. Um, that scene with the pizza's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, fun fact, a fun fact about Lou Ferrigno, he's actually the voice of the Hulk in this mo- in this movie. He actually voiced... Those uh that those few lines, uh, mm-hmm. Betty and Hulk Smash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The Hulk so Smash now, was so great. The, yeah. Yeah, the whole the, the Hulk Smash, of course, which leads us, which leads us directly. Speaking of Hulk Smashing, leads us to uh, our favorite line segment, and that one I'll go first because that one for me was pretty clear. Hulk Smash. That is the that is basically the greatest uh, line that the Hulk ever utters in every form of TV, comic book, movie, or whatever, Hulk smash. So that's, that's, that was pretty easy for me. Besides, I mean, besides that, it's just hard to come up with anything else because this movie was just not really known for its uh, memorable lines. Now, I would go with that by default if I didn't, like, kind of giggle when I, because I forgot the line of when one of, like, the female soldiers is talking to Dr. Stearns and Blonsky knocks her out and says, she's an annoying bitch. And Samuel Stearns responds with a line that did make me laugh of, because just because it's so not it's just so not from this movie like this is a line in a different movie he says why are you always hitting people and i just think that's a great line um that's my favorite line just because once again like i'm a big fan of when you see an when a movie is like not going well and you see an actor who's acting in a better movie and like that line is in the better version of the incredible hulk um so yeah that would be probably my favorite line um okay all right, so uh, so uh, so that that was pretty quick and that was pretty easy. So now let's get into a couple of goofs because there were a few interesting mistakes and things like that. Was there anything that you noticed in particular that you saw and you said, "What the hell is happening here?" Um, I mean, I I I'm really bad at recognizing plot holes. Um, like I said, the only goof I recognized was uh, I mean, well, one a goof I recognized because a lot of movies do it is. Like, I know that it makes him look cool and tough, but uh, General Ross, can you can't be in the army with a mustache. Um, 
<laughs> like, but that's such a that's a, that's one that's in so many movies that like I kind of just ignore it. But like, same thing with Tim Roth. But also, I don't know if I ever want to see Tim Roth without stubble, so I kind of ignored it. So, okay, what what well, what were the things a, you noticed? Well, thing. Well, first, I would say the the continuity mistake that I noticed the most was when they were chasing Bruce um, in the streets of Brazil. Oh, did you yes. notice that, I did notice that the time Did you changes. notice that the the time of day yeah. kept changing? It kept changing from day to well, first it started off at night and then day and then perhaps late afternoon to yeah. night again. It just kept changing every time that, that was uh, terrible. camera kept cutting in and out. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Also, can that I ask you a question bad. that I just thought of? So after yeah. Bruce gets chased out of uh, the favela, um, actually, I don't know if it is a favela because it's not in Rio. Uh, someone tweeted us, is it a favela only if it's in Rio, or are all neighborhoods in Brazil like that favelas? Anyway, uh, when he supposedly <laughs> gets from Brazil to Guatemala, I'll accept that he can, like, jump over fence borders and stuff like that, but, um, how the hell did he get over the Panama Canal? Wow. That's a good, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. And what happened to, and, oh, Good thing you, good thing you brought that up. Him, him traveling. Did you notice that first he finds pants and then they're shorts and then they're long again? Cause they cut through that, they cut through those scenes a couple of different times, and and it's not like the day changed. It was pants, shorts, and then pants again. Like, I did not notice that, happening? but I would not put it past them. Um, I also, speaking of the pants, I was very disappointed that he didn't go with the big orange uh big purple pants like i know that yeah. that's like a throwaway joke but like come on you gotta do that um but on, yeah man. what what other plot points did you uh plot holes did you notice well i mean a pretty obvious one when we get to the when we're about to get to the big fight between hulk and the abomination when the police are searching for abomination in new york city they reach an alleyway where there's a police car clearly marked toronto police oh yeah the toronto <laughs> bits are so egregious like i mean it's not even just because i live in new york because uh like to be honest i don't you i i'm not uh usually in like streets above 100 so i wouldn't recognize those neighborhoods anyway but yeah uh like there's just signs and, like and i mentioned kilometers and stuff like that it's like just so many movies do this like I, I know you're going to shoot in Toronto. Yes, it's cheaper than shooting in New York City. But, like, take some of the yeah. money that makes it cheaper and hire, like, wow. a VF, VFX team to just change stuff. Like, it's not, you know... It's, you're Marvel. Yeah, you have the really money to do that. that yeah, it's really not that hard. I found that, like, ridiculous. I mean... It's, I mean it, was, really... it was more egregious than most movies. Because most movies, like, for example, one that I noticed it with uh, was... Because um, they intercut it. In um, yeah. John Wick Chapter Two, they uh, they have some scenes that are filmed in the actual subway, and some scenes that are clearly filmed in the Toronto Metro, and uh, like at least they cut co- they cover up most signs. They like put up fake subway station signs, which is like thank you. Like I I reckon I know that this is not a place in the subway, but at least you're trying to trick us. Like this is just like oh right. this is a restaurant that just doesn't exist in. Like is like I didn't know this, but I was looking through the IMDb thing. Like apparently, one of the restaurants you see in the background is like a pretty famous Toronto restaurant, and it's like oh. I don't know. Um, hello, yes. Jerome, are you here? 
my oh. uh, Toronto spider sense was tingling. Yeah, and, uh, we, you, I, you I just got, had to jump on for you, a quick goof. Yeah, you, you came on once we were talking about, and I assume you noticed, how egregious the it being in Toronto and not New York City was. I mean, I just wanted to come on to shout out a very specific Toronto location that happens during the Hulk abomination fight. Shout out to Zanzibar, a very prominent strip club that just happens to be next to the Apollo Theater. The I'm making air quotes here, Apollo Theater in New York. <laughs> um, yeah, really, honestly, that that I'm happy with that being my contribution here. Uh, you guys, you guys be good. Uh, so, <laughs> I appreciate that, John. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jerome. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, oh man, that is wow! That's that's awesome. Um, another one, another one for me. And, you know, we really could go on this segment for a while. Yeah. Um, another one when um, the Hulk is walking through the stream when he's about to fight the army um, at the uh, university, the water doesn't react to his feet at all. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's no, none of the pathways of the water changes at all. It just keeps going, and it's like, wow. It's just like, if you really, like, look, and it's obviously one of those things that you wouldn't notice the first time, but then you watch the second time, or the third time, because I think this, what was this, the third or fourth time that I've watched this movie, um, that you notice these little things, and it's like, they end up becoming very, very glaring um, after a couple of times watching it, and then you realize, man, did they really give a fuck about what they were doing here? Yeah. Um, Also, speaking of those scenes... Um, obviously this is before he was famous, so I don't blame them, but they really underutilized Ty Burrell. Like, they, uh, like, I, th- they really could have leaned into his Ty Burrell-iness, and they really didn't, and that kind of was unfortunate. Yeah, look, Ty, Ty Burrell, Ty Burrell, why is that, uh, he's why on is Modern that name, Family. Uh... He plays, uh, he's on Modern Family, he plays... Uh, oh, he plays the girl. He plays the yeah. boyfriend. He yeah, plays yeah. the boyfriend. Yeah, that's right. And and he, it's it was one of those things where you you felt like he wanted to be funny in it. <laughs> yeah, he has a line I like where he says like uh, something along the lines of uh, to uh, the general. He says, "Now I know why she never talked about her dad or something like that." Which like that's a yeah, good line. Yeah, yeah. But like once again, like I feel like there is room. Because you know the thing is, what, what it was is that I, when I was remembering the movie before watching it again, I remembered him being funny, and then I watched it, and he's like, oh, he's not, and I guess it's A, because he's Ty Burrell, and B, because, like, the character <laughs> is, like, the character is pretty set up to be, like, a goofy character, like, a yeah. shrink who the main character's ex is now dating, like, that's a character that could easily be a comic relief, and he's just provides no real he doesn't provide anything to the movie to be honest with you right right that's yeah that's interesting when you think about it so now that we've gone through a bunch of these mistakes uh, a couple of quick things as far as a as far as a fun fact of this movie and this was interesting and i actually just read on this today zach penn uh wrote this movie Mm-hmm. And, but alleged, but allegedly, 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 according to Ed, uh, according to um, Edward Norton, mm-hmm. he he when he originally saw the script, he didn't like that the, the way that the the uh, Hulk slash Bruce Banner character was written. So he says he rewrote it, and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, Zach Penn probably felt differently about that issue and it's very weird that when you go to a quote from zach penn 
Um, he says that did not happen, and that didn't sit well with him at all. Uh, and so, 2008 San Diego Comic Con, here's a quote from Zach Penn, and he says, Yes, the fallout prevented me from collaborating with him during production. I don't really know the guy. He has his own process, and he chose to do it the way he wanted to do it. That said, I kept in touch with the people making the movie, but he, you know, has his own particular way of working, and it was unusual. I really don't know. I wasn't there. I was off making another movie. So it wasn't a situation where I was whoa, banging whoa, on the whoa, doors. Whoa, 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 Are you meaning to tell me, I'm sorry that I cut you off. I yes, you yes, yes, yes. Him, but are you meaning to tell me that Edward Norton is hard to work with? No. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that before. That's preposterous. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I could continue on, but essentially, to not be long-winded, essentially... It seems like Edward Norton um, is pretty bad to work with, to your point. And yeah. I, w- I found that funny, the fact that Edward Norton really took credit for writing the script. Edward Norton, big-time actor and big-time writer. He knows and, what he's and doing. And the thing is, usually when you hear stories of like, oh, this person got on set and rewrote the script, usually the script gets better. But, like, I can't say for sure that it did. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you hear stories about, like... um people rewrite fully like rewriting scripts like under the table yeah. usually it's in tandem with like you know this really good movie yeah did you hear that it actually was written by this person but like you very rarely hear about a movie that's like mediocre like oh you're Edward Norton rewrote this mediocre movie like don't put that out there like that <laughs> I know that's funny <laughs> oh man anyway I, I, I mean it, yeah I have nothing much I have it, very little more to say um about this movie I don't know about you um yeah, I think uh, the only thing that we really have left to say is, where would you rank the Incredible Hulk in the MCU? We ranked Iron Man already, and we have Iron Man number one. Will you, Jake, do the unthinkable and rank the Incredible Hulk ahead of Iron Man? No. As for the movies that we've done so far, <laughs> I'm putting Iron Man 1, Incredible Hulk 2. Uh, what about you? And I would say I would probably do the same as well. And um, I don't want to speak to about for our friend from the north, Jerome, but I'm also gonna say that he's putting Incredible Hulk too as well. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> yeah, um, tough call, but definitely too. J- Jesus, Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> tough call is funny. <laughs> All right, uh, Anthony, All right. wrap it All right. up. Yes, let us wrap it up. Um, I am Anthony Canton III. This has been another episode of Marvel Cinematic University. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can check us out on SoundCloud. Um, I am AC Spotlight 95 on Twitter. Jake? Uh, I am at the Jake Christie on Twitter. You can listen to my other podcast, Sorted History, on the Leverage the Chat Network. Uh, that's my main hustle. Um, not that this is a side hustle, but... Uh, and yeah, just uh, you know, check that out and uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if Jerome is available enough to promote himself. If he is, he'll do it now. Yeah, you can follow me at Black Dragon Row on Twitter. All right, well, there we thank, go. Th- Jerome well, thank you guys may or may for not be at work. Again. <laughs> he made, but thank you, Jerome, for joining us. Jake, thanks for joining. No problem. Uh, we'll be for holding we'll, it down. Of course, we'll be back. Um, soon enough with uh, the next episode going into Iron Man 2. Yep. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Peace.